0: The OAM Network is an independently run podcast and live production company in Memphis, Tennessee. TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. I'm Lauren.
1: And I'm Scott. And we're the Reedies.
0: That's right. Reedy spelled ready.
1: It's a pun. One I've heard my entire life. So much so that we've decided to make it a thing.
0: Ready Ready or not. not. On this podcast, we'll share our journey to becoming adoptive parents while also running a business together.
1: It may not be easy, but you can bet we're ready or
0: not. Hello and welcome to Ready or Not, a podcast about growing your family and your business
1: recorded right here in our Midtown studio.
0: And this week we're sharing a microphone, so it's getting real close and personal.
1: (laughs) When you leave one cable at work and the others are at home, you're short of cable.
0: And Max is asleep upstairs this time around, so we're not recording in our midtown studio in the office, but that's fine. This episode, you might be wondering, what is this episode about? It's titled 345. That's because we have used some really great resources to help brainstorm some topics, because we shuffled some cards Some topics we liked to talk about, and we said, let's turn this into a numbers game. So we're going to talk about three silly mistakes to avoid in life.
1: Four things you might not know about us.
0: And five things we're excited about. Hence the name 345. But first, let's talk about something I forgot to mention in last week's episode. A really important question that we get asked quite a bit. Do you remember what that question is? I do not. The question is, How could you possibly love a child that's not your own biological child? People ask us that. I ask that question before we adopted.
1: To me, it's it's. I think it's an odd question, and I I feel like, and maybe this is wrong, but I feel like anybody who is a parent would get it because there's nothing that a child or like Max does to like earn you loving them. They don't like do something. It's like okay, now that's the thing. It's not like a relationship where, like, over time you like build that like through consistency of of caring about each other and showing that you care. That you know you build love. It's like when the child is yours and you're the only responsible for them. And maybe that's that's part of it is you are all they have in the world. And when you know that they don't know that, but you know that. That's just part of it.
0: And once you open your heart to the love of a child, it doesn't matter whether that child was one that you created or that God created.
1: The only, I guess, situation I come up with it, and this uh, might be a little of a reach, but is like a a foster type scenario where not that you don't love the child, but you're trying to protect yourself maybe a little bit. And you like build a relationship with a child who's older and you have to like get to know them and, you know, build that like you're going to be there forever. But I also think like you still have that like you are the... Guardian caretaker everything for this child, even if just for this period and I feel like that brings with it a certain level of automatic That's unexplainable.
0: Yeah, I think when you say yes to adoption That is the beginning of saying yes to loving any child that comes into your life And we talked a lot about that before we adopted how we had so many kids um, godchildren in our lives and and relationships we've built with Really close friends that we had kids that were like our kids that we loved like our children. Although I will say now that I'm a parent, I love my child differently than I loved those kids, but they're like my kids.
1: Sure. And, and for Max, you know, uh, you know, I talked about it last week, how I had my like dad moment where I held Max and I met Max in the same way that I would have if he was our biological kid. Now, maybe I didn't like feel him kicking and all of that growth that had you, you know, had him. Um, but as far as when he's been in the world, he has only been with us. Outside of, I guess, say three hours before we got there, he's been ours his entire life. He knows no nothing else. We know nothing else of his life. But we've also seen him develop and come to every skill and attribute and feeling. We've seen him feel those for the first time.
0: Yeah, so there's the answer to the question that a lot of people are afraid to ask. And I meant to include in last week's episode, in fact, the moment that it was published, I thought, oh, we forgot about that one. So there's a question, now you don't have to ask it, because you know you've been thinking it, right? Am I right? It's okay. Don't feel bad about it, because I asked the the same question when we began the adoption process. Should we dive right into this episode? Let's go. Okay, three silly mistakes to avoid in life. Scott, I'll let you start.
1: So this first one came, uh, just uh, people who have listened and know this is going to match my personality a little bit. Uh, first thing I'd say to avoid in life is unnecessary debt. This isn't like student loans and mortgages and things that are necessary to like build your life, but unnecessary, like running up credit cards on things that you don't need or that you're doing out of like obligation because you feel like you have to, or they're like, you know, those those external forces that aren't Necessary aren't really important in the in the scheme of life and happiness, but are just like instant wants and needs that end up running unnecessary debt.
0: So, like maxing out your credit card for a Packers game where the Packers played the Vikings the first time Brett Favre was the port the quarterback for the Vikings is that is that something a silly mistake to avoid? Uh, just asking for a friend.
1: That's a tough one. I don't know. Yes, I mean yes, but it was necessary in the context. And that's why that's why it's hard to say what's unnecessary and not.
0: I was going to say, I think in that moment, uh, you were so proud of me for thinking of that as a gift and so mad at me for maxing out my credit card. Absolutely. Okay, so number two for you?
1: Number two, um, and this is one we've been talking about a lot uh, with each other and with other people, of the mistake of thinking and spending a lot of time on what others are thinking about you. And I think the real fact of that is that I've, I've come to realize and and try to realize on a regular basis, even though I fall into it, is that other people are thinking about you and what you're doing a lot less than you're thinking about what other people think of what you're thinking.
0: That's really deep. Can you elaborate? I understand what you're saying. And I totally agree. But you're saying that you shouldn't think about what other people are thinking about you because chances are they aren't thinking about you.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And this is, you know, when you're spending time and you're like, oh, I'm doing this thing. Oh, this person or this group of people, they just don't like me. They don't like what I'm doing. They think I'm doing this or that. And realistically, those people who you're referring to probably aren't even, you're not even on the radar that day. Like they're not spending all of their time thinking, oh, did you see them? They just released that video. They just, you know, they just did this with their business. They just hired that person. They're not, they're not seeing it. It may scroll by on their Facebook feed, but they just don't even, they're not even paying attention.
0: In other words, don't waste time thinking about other people and what they think about you. That's very deep. Exactly. Your number three?
1: Number three is uh, is funny to me that I'm saying this, but I really do think it's true. And this is the need to like know it all. I think it's really important and healthy and something that I have actually worked on a lot at various stages of my life of of really being... um, confident enough in myself to be able to tell and say that I don't know something. Now I do read and try to consume and try to learn a lot of different things about a lot of different, a lot about a lot of different things. But I do think it's important to be able to um, recognize when you don't know something, admit that and then either try to find the answer or defer to the experts and let them, you know, make that uh, figure that out.
0: Well, and I would also say that I think one thing you're really good at that I remind myself to do often is um, on the same same note, don't be a know-it-all. So even if you do know all the answers, <laughs> not saying I know all the answers, but even if you are the expert in the room or even if um, you think you know a lot and could add to that, to not always have to be the first one to speak or have to be the last one to get your word in and just repeat what everyone else has said.
1: Yeah. And I think that to me, that's come out a lot in uh, developing employees and bringing them out. And, you know, there are things that we have figured out and we have learned that we could come right out with. But I think it's a lot more valuable to our employees and their long term growth to work through those things. So one of the things that I try to do is ask questions um, when we're going through things that Laura and I have been through um, or that I've been through in my professional life that I'm talking with either a coworker or, you know, one of our staff um and working through a particular issue asking a question or letting them work through and learn because you learn a lot better by doing than by telling someone telling you so so and that's about knowing the answer but not instantly just telling everyone here's the answer here's how it works is trying to help other people also learn that for themselves which I think is important in people development so lauren what are your top 3
0: Well, mine are fairly simple and don't need a whole lot of explanation. But first one, uh, silly mistakes to avoid is getting caught up with negative people. I think one of the things I did very early on in my TV career was um, Misery Loves Company. And so I would find myself spending a lot of time with the negative people in the newsroom. Or the negative people in, not even the newsroom, because I actually worked with really positive people, but the negative people in the business. So you'd be out in the field, and the first thing that you would, you know, you come ac- across somebody who is the competition, you're at the same breaking news scene, and it instantly turns into something negative. Which then instantly shapes the, sh- like the way you see the day. And I think it's easy to do that. So I would say avoid negative people. Uh, another silly mistake to avoid in life is chasing false dreams. I've learned that from myself. <laughs> um, I think sometimes in, in the world we live in, if you're a high achiever like myself, which I, is, is okay for me to say because I've taken a couple tests that have said that that's true. <laughs> so it's not just me saying it. Um, sometimes that can result in chasing a false dream. And when you realize, like I have, that sometimes chasing that is you need to pivot. I think that's a, a very valid thing to do.
1: Well, and I think that's one thing we try to get to um, with, you know, core values and trying to define that, define those outside of what you're trying to achieve is then when you come to those achievements and you're like, oh, I really want this thing. I really want to do this thing. And then you realize it doesn't really match with what your real goal and real mission in life is, um, is what you're going for.
0: Yeah, I think that's eventually, essentially what I got to. And I pr- I'll probably get there again at some point in my life, too. So that's an interesting one. And the third one is don't get caught up in this show. And I say this show with, uh, like, quotations around it. I think oftentimes we have a tendency when we celebrate our wins, which we should, by the way. I need to um, l- listen to this later, Lauren. And remember, you should celebrate your wins. Um But I think sometimes you can get caught up up in the show of those wins and then really start to believe that you're a big deal or a bigger deal than you are or um, believe that because you've got a VIP pass to something or you um, fill in the blank. I just think getting caught up in the show of life can cause you to get down a path that leads to something that's inauthentic. And I know that from experience. So just what I'm saying, yo. All right four things you might not know about us. I thought maybe we could do this separately. And then maybe on the fly, we could come up with four things people don't know about us as a couple. Woo, woo. Okay, so the top four for you, Scott.
1: My number one is, is more of a funny one. Um, and Lauren reminded me of this. And so one of the things you may not know about me is I have a very deep, in-depth, off-the-cuff quoting of the, the TV show Scrubs. When I was in college... I thought
0: this was so weird when we were dating, by the way.
1: And it's to the point of like, you can name certain like major lines or themes or things like that. And I can tell you which episode in which season, or at least I used to be able to. I don't know if I could anymore, but... um,
0: That's been replaced with Max Thoughts.
1: (laughs) Yeah. When I... Basically, how that came to be is when I was in college, most people listen to music while they're studying. I would just roll Scrubs episodes over and over again. And so I just learned to know all the episodes. On DVD. On DVD. (laughs) On DVD and illegal streaming before DVDs were available. But... Um, you know, that was just something that came to be of random, odd, um, stupid human trick, I guess would be the best description of that
0: one. But so Here's the thing that I think is really funny about that is that those episodes actually do have deep meaning and like deep life lessons. And so in many ways, like there were probably some parallels of things that were happening in your life while you were listening to it, right?
1: Yeah. And they definitely did. And they definitely, I definitely related to those. And then in, in years later, I would think back to things that happened. And it, I mean, it was about a young doctor who's going through the early part of his career. So I ran into a lot of those same situations. Number two, uh, I went to Catholic school basically my whole life, except for my four years at Iowa State, my elementary school, my high school, and then my MBA program, which wasn't intentional. You know, the, the younger school, um, elementary and high school was along with my parents and living with them. Um, and then my, uh, I went to Iowa state and then my MBA program was at a Catholic school here in Memphis.
0: And just something to note about that is that oftentimes I get frustrated with Scott when it comes to faith related things for two reasons. One, because he knows the answer, even though he says, don't be a know-it-all, he knows the answer. And instead of like deeply falling in love with the idea of say, Advent, for example, which I love because it's teaching us to be patient. And wait, you're like, oh, uh, it was a project in school. I,
1: I do have a very academic view of a lot of things because they were all tests for me to take as I was growing up. So, you know, and Advent meant we always had an Advent project. Lent meant we lent project that was due by Easter. So that was the fault of my teachers.
0: Yeah, um, I don't love that because I fall in love with those kinds of things because I did not grow up like that and n- was not taught that um, in my schooling because I went to public school. So, I mean, it's, you're right. A lot of people don't know that about you.
1: Yeah. But I have also worked to try to overcome some of that too.
0: Because your wife puts you on the spot all the time. Speaking of that, number three.
1: Number three, and this is, uh, I guess, less so in the last few years, but especially when I came out of college um, and a lot of my background, I kind of have sort of the quintessential most, or I feel like, I have the quintessential most Iowa boy background um, of anyone. When you know, When I went through school, like I lived in the city or what I thought was the city of Des Moines, you know, suburb kid, you know, city kid. But I also had my grandparents had a dairy farm, you know, and I knew people who had farms. And so I had kind of that both rural and city lifestyle back and forth. Then I went to Iowa State, which is right in the middle of the state. And, you know, it was the ag school and the engineering school and all that stuff. And then right after that, I my first job was at John Deere, which is a very, you know, Midwest Iowa company. And so I just have this like very, very stereotypical Iowa background
0: and then you met a girl who was like I want to move to Memphis Tennessee and you were like where's that
1: (laughs) (laughs) number four um, a lot of people especially in the Memphis side of my life don't know this a lot of people I grew up with in Iowa do but I was part of uh, the uh, drum line at my high school for a long time we were um, successful we did a lot of really cool things um, some indoor some outdoor and I was just that was my high school I was very into drum line and playing drums uh, still can kind of do it, but haven't done it in a long time. So,
0: Which drum did you play?
1: I was the uh, lead bass drum for two years.
0: Wow, that's so strange because that's my number one thing I thought people didn't know about me. Is your drumming? I am a drummer still. Yes. I have a drum set upstairs that I bought recently so that I had a instrument in the house. I suppose we're segueing into my things you don't know because I just hijacked yours. But my... Uh, One of the things a lot of people don't know about me is that I was the lead bass in my drumline. That's funny.
1: What a weird thing we both have in common.
0: Strange, strange, strange. Another thing, number two, people don't know about me is that I played hockey as a kid. And this one probably doesn't surprise a lot of our listeners, but I was the only girl on the Mighty Ducks. And I scored goals all the time. Don't act like you're not impressed, Scott. Number three, I thought this one was kind of funny just because it's like... We both went to a throwback kind of thing that is goofy about us. Um, I won an Optimist Club speech competition when I was in middle school.
1: You are totally not an optimist.
0: (laughs) It was called, the theme was called Optimism in My Life. And I wrote about music. It's where the career started. And number four, uh, something people don't know about me is that I really love the moon. Like a full moon especially, but the cycle of a moon is just beautiful to me. And in my family, there is a song by Frank Sinatra that is called I'll be, be Seeing You in All the Old Familiar Places. And it's a song about how, as whenever you're separated from your, your love, when you look at the moon, you'll be looking at the moon and, and you'll be seeing that love. I'll be looking at the moon, but I'll be seeing you. So whenever I look at the moon, I think of my grandpa, Max, who Max is named after. But I also think about my grandma, who is has been reunited with him. And the moon also plays a large role in like life experiences and things that have happened. A lot of times when something's going on, good or bad, I look up and it's a full moon. Um, there was the solar eclipse we went to a few years ago, which was nine months before Max was born. So the moon has a very special place in my life and i might get a tattoo of it someday if i can find an artist who can make a full moon look like a full moon as promised four things that you may not know about us as a couple scott number one
1: number one we've been doing it uh a lot lately even with max is uh we like to go to music festivals together um it's something i never really did when i was younger but um it's something we found that we really like we really re- that we really enjoy and then now we really enjoy because we can take max with us too and he loves it
0: Yes, it's super fun. It's like uh we're the old people that love to go to music festivals. Number 2, we love to travel. I think a lot of people probably know that about us though.
1: Yeah, and I think that's everything from, you know, little weekend trips to bigger ones to uh, like our Europe trip over the summer. Um I think we're always looking for where we can go to see something new.
0: And we budget and prioritize those things by the way. So, we just uh it's something that we we think is important. Number three, we don't believe in traditional gender roles.
1: Yeah, big surprise there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if that wasn't made obvious by this point in the podcast, I don't know what is.
0: I mean, some people might not know that about us if they're just tuning in. And number four.
1: Number four is, uh, Laura and I really like to be together. We like to, uh, and that I mean, that Sounds obvious as a married couple, but it's something that we've always done together is, yeah, we don't really do a whole lot of, like, guys night, girls night things. Lauren and I would prefer to go to parties together. No, we don't, like, hang out with each other the whole time, and we do definitely hang out with our friends, too. But we're not, we just have never really big, been big on th- separating to go do things.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird. I think a lot of people think it's weird that, uh, you know, Scott's not in a men's group and I'm not in a women's group or something like that. Now I do have girls nights and Scott does have guys nights. And I think we do a lot more of that now that we've got a baby. (laughs) He has to stay. Yeah,
1: somebody's got to watch Matt. Somebody's
0: got to watch him. The baby monitor doesn't go that far. (laughs) And so, uh, but it's something that we've always, it's been weird about us is we, we like to be together and we don't feel the need to have to purposefully separate with the same sex
1: <laughs> yeah well I think it I think a lot of that came in how our relationship formed because we were dating at long distance very early in our relationship and we had to consist had to constantly choose what we would do and we um, very early on both sides, it was important to us to be to prioritize each other a lot and so I think in the three and a half years we dated long distance we missed like five weekends at most being together
0: that's so crazy when i think about it
1: there was oh. a lot of miles on the cars
0: yeah that's why we both don't have the same cars we had when we got married and on that note let's talk about and we fought about this answer because scott said all of his answers were the same as mine which i just did not believe you're gonna defend yourself scott
1: <laughs> no that's right i mean they were all the same as yours
0: so we're just gonna answer this together uh five things we're excited about
1: Number one, and I had to fight to say this one, uh, Christmas with Max. We're so, so excited. Yeah, I think he is really going to be on board with the whole Christmas thing and opening presents and getting excited for things. And
0: He probably won't get Santa y- just yet, but that's fine.
1: Yeah, but I think he'll be excited about like having a box that he can tear open and then there'll be something inside that he loves. So I'm excited for that.
0: Or he'll like the box better. Uh, number two, I'm excited to finish out the year at Forever Ready. We've got a lot going on right now. It's really exciting. It's very busy. This week, we're covering a conference. In two weeks, we're doing a Christmas concert. We're closing out the year with some really big projects, and the team's really excited. So that that makes me excited.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's been a lot of fun to uh, watch the growth of the company this year and watch our team really take ownership of you know some of the projects that they're doing and they're taking lead roles on. Um, that's been part of our growth strategy is to, is to, you know, let them feel like they own some of these projects. And so it's not always, you know, the Lauren show that they're helping out with, but, um, they're really developing into their own style and voice and, um, really connecting with some of the, some of our, uh, customers.
0: And number three is the first time we're making this public. So there might be some gasps in the, uh, in the podcast listening world, but we are going to, or exploring the option of expanding our business into other markets.
1: Yeah. And we're taking that pretty seriously. um, And we think we have our first run um, identified, which will be uh, uh,
0: terrifyingly exciting
1: and disclosed at a later date.
0: Super fun. Number four, one of our top listeners who may or may not listen this week due to pregnancy and having a baby and going into labor. But if she's listening, I'm super excited. We both cannot wait to go to Seattle after Christmas for New Year's to visit my best friend Michaela and her husband Nick and their new baby girl.
1: Yes, that baby girl is due any day. Um, Michaela may listen to this while she's at the hospital. (laughs)
0: Let this be a part of your labor... playlist story (laughs) we're so excited to visit her i just cannot wait it's gonna be so fun
1: and number five we're looking forward to 2020 uh we have our you know end of the year strategic planning coming up so we can set our business goals and i'm sure in all of our travel around christmas lauren and i will set our personal goals up and so it's just really we're really excited for the next uh next year
0: yeah i always think it's fun to have a fresh start it's fun to reflect on how things went the in the past year and i think it's also important to note that we're still like six weeks eight seven we're several weeks out from the end of the year so it's not like we're checking out and saying woo 2019 was great but we are excited to start planning and thinking about 2020 because after all that's what you're supposed to do right
1: yeah and try to make each year better than the last is kind of the goal
0: or at least recover from the last let's be honest sure and on that note, we hope you enjoyed this uh, episode titled 345. Thanks again to Poddex for providing us with some really great topic ideas. Speaking of which, we have several more on tap the rest of this year. We're going to talk about being grateful as we head into Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the biggest questions we get asked about running a business, um, including some mistakes that we've learned from. And uh, we'd love to hear more from you about topics that you might want to hear us talk about before we end the year.
1: So send us your feedback to feedback at readyornotpodcast.com. And we'll see you next time here on
0: Ready or Not. This podcast was recorded in our closet studio in Midtown Memphis, Tennessee, edited by me, Lauren Reedy, graphic designed by Brody Kuhar and hosted by the OAM Network. Have you noticed how small businesses and nonprofits are posting videos on social media these days? Every day, thousands of them are sharing video content. But did you know you don't have to spend a fortune to invest in video for your brand? Forever Ready Productions is here to help you out. We make your work stand out while telling your story, but most importantly, getting it done in time to have an impact. The OAM Network is an independently run podcast and live production company in Memphis, Tennessee. TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast.